morning we're going to talk about love. And I'm going to raise a couple of objections first, and then we're going to get into, hopefully, what I want you to take away from this morning about love. A couple of objections about love that I've had, maybe you've had in the past, about God's love for you, Jesus' love for you. Maybe you felt this way, why would he even care about me? Has anybody ever felt that way? Yeah? Why would he care about me? I mean, in all of this big creation, I'm pretty insignificant. You're pretty insignificant. It's just the way it is. So why would he care about me? Go over to Matthew chapter 10. A couple of things here to get us started about love. Matthew chapter 10, verses 29 through 31, gives us a little insight into Jesus' individual mission here. Although he came for the whole world, right? God so loved the world. But at the same time, not only did God so love the world, but he so loved you and me. And in 29 through 31, Jesus says, Are not two sparrows sold for a cent? And yet none of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Therefore, do not fear. You are more value of more value than many sparrows. So if you're more value than many sparrows and God takes care of the sparrows, then... The objection about God loving me, why would he care about me? Well, Jesus says, I do care about you. I love you. I know the hairs on your head. And obviously that's just a a way to say, I know everything about you. As we always look at bald people when we say, he knows the very numbers of his, right? (laughs) He doesn't know Carl. He doesn't know Craig. And some of you, he's kind of slowly forgetting as you're balding. But... It's not about the actual hair on your head. It's about him knowing every aspect of you. Down to the very hairs on your head, which we don't know. I can't possibly count that and wouldn't want to take the time to do it. But he does. Jesus loves us. God loves us. And he tells us, I love you. But if you're like me, sometimes I wonder why in the world would you care about me? Who cares about me? Maybe family doesn't care about you. Somebody doesn't care about you. And why does God care about me? Well... The simple fact is he does, whether or not I think he does. He always cares about me. Objection number two, I don't believe God will love me because my sin is just too big. I've done too much. My past is too great. Go over to Romans chapter 5 and look at how Paul describes Jesus' love, God's love, for people who say, no, I've done too much. I can't go back. And even if I tried, you wouldn't like me. We read some of this in class this morning, and I want to go back a couple of verses because what I wanted to read was further down, but this ties in well with the idea of love. As Paul is talking about those that have been justified by faith and having peace, right? And then in 3, he says, you know, we're going to have tribulations here, but we are going to exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. He's talking about how the, the Christian is going to develop these these things, as you go through life and are, are tried and are proven, perseverance, proven character, proven character, hope, and hope, in verse 5, does not disappoint. And now the hope that is in verse 5 is based in who? Christ. Christ Jesus. That's where your hope is based. That's the anchor. If that hope is the anchor here, then he says that hope's not going to disappoint because the hope is Christ himself. And Christ himself is not going to disappoint. 
Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts. Notice that. The love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For while we were yet still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the... Who who, who did he die for? The ungodly. Us, yes, but the ungodly specifically. The ones who don't deserve to have him die for them. He dies for anyway. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, Paul says, but though perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But here's the the kicker in verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I don't believe God can love me because my sin is too great. I've said that too. But that's a lie. He can love me. He can love you. But sometimes I don't feel that way. Lie number three. I don't believe God really loves me. And that's the way I feel. I feel like God doesn't love me. I wake up in the morning and I feel like God doesn't love me. And maybe it's because somebody else doesn't love you. Maybe because you just are having a bad day. Maybe you've been fired. Maybe you're having trouble financially. God does not love me. He is not blessing me. He's not with me. God does not love me. And that's the way my feelings are. And that's the absolute truth. Because that's how I feel. And is is it easy to be ruled by your feelings? Yeah, I think we could all probably say I've been ruled by my feelings every once in a while. Go over to Romans chapter 8. When everything happens, when things are falling apart around you, God is still with us. Even when I don't feel like he is, God still loves me. Even when I don't feel like he does. Just the very tail end of that, that chapter, Romans 8. There's a lot of good in that chapter, and we're going to skip over it. Unfortunately, I don't have the time. But at the end of that chapter, Paul says, after all of these things that, that, are, that is building up to this climax, he says, I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from what? The love of God, which is where? In Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate me from him, no matter how I feel. The feelings are a lie sometimes. It's not the truth. The lie is, I don't feel like God loves me, therefore he doesn't. The truth is, nothing separates you from the love that's in Christ Jesus. Nothing can. Even your feelings. That's just a lie. Lie number four, I haven't done anything yet to deserve God's love. Has anybody ever felt like you need to do something to deserve God's love. Human beings, we do that all the time, right? You need to do something for me to deserve my favor. You need to prove yourself to me. To some degree, I can understand that as, as human beings, but it's, it's interesting. You go over to 1 John chapter 4 and look at God's view of, I haven't done anything yet to deserve your love, God. And what does he say? What's the first two words out of his mouth? I know. I know you haven't done anything to deserve my love. I know that for a fact. And can you do anything to deserve God's love? 1 John 4, 10. To me, this verse kind of echoes Romans chapter 5 because he's talking about a love that is there before a love that is there. He's talking in Romans chapter 5 about a Christ that will die for someone who's not even worthy to die for. Verse 10, and this is love. What does it say? Not that we what? 
loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That really does kind of echo Romans chapter 5 to me. He's doing this because he loves us, not because I loved him. How many times do we do that for human beings? I'm doing this because I love you and I know you don't love me. That's hard to do as human beings. It's hard for me to do And sometimes we can get trapped in the lie of, I haven't done enough or anything to deserve God's love. And so he doesn't love me because I haven't done anything to deserve that. But God says, I know you haven't. In fact, I loved you first. And I sent my son to die for you. Don't believe the lie that you're telling yourself right now. Lie number five is I struggle to rest in God's love. I struggle to understand and and be comfortable in God's love because I don't deserve to be loved that way. Maybe you felt that way too. Anybody felt that way? I don't deserve to be loved like you love me. And I am uncomfortable in this love. I'm not comfortable at all here. I've felt that way. Go over to Ephesians chapter 2. This is We're going to be in Ephesians for the rest, well, most of the, the lesson. Maybe a couple of times we'll deviate from there. But if you want to park anywhere, park in Ephesians. If I can actually remember how to get there now. Ephesians chapter 2. And we're going to be reading from chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. And when, when we think about struggling to, to rest in his love, I, I'm really glad that God does not love me the way I deserve to be loved. He's bend me over his knee and spank me. But instead he says, I love you. He, that doesn't mean he doesn't discipline me. I'm saying if, if I really got what I deserved... What would I be getting? 4 through 10. But God being rich in mercy. Because of what? His great love with which he loved us. Even when we were what? Dead in our sins and our transgressions. Again, kind of mirroring First John 4, 10 and Romans 5. That we don't deserve that love. And yet, while we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. There again is where that all hinges. The hope, all of that is in Jesus himself. In order that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in what? Jesus, Christ Jesus. Yeah, again, it's, it's in Him, in that hope. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. Here's that, no, you, you haven't done anything to deserve. I, I don't feel like I can rest in your love because I don't deserve to be loved. And He says, I know you didn't do anything to be loved. In fact, I loved you first. I sent my Son to die for you while you were still a sinner. By grace you have been saved, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not as a result of works that no one should boast. For we are what? His workmanship created in that Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. All of these things are, and more, I'm sure you could probably think of other things, that get in the way of me understanding the love of God and really becoming one and resting in the love of God. And there's probably many more symptoms. But those, that's what these things are. They're, they're symptoms of, of not understanding 
who we're loved by. And I'm just as guilty and, uh, as anybody else of not understanding who loves me and then why and who I should be because of who loves me. Chapter 3 of Ephesians is where we're going to take off from the rest of this and look at who loves me and why he loves me. And this love that we have in Christ Jesus. I want to read verses 14 through 21 to get us settled in this, in this chapter or in this, in this part of the lesson. And Paul is, is entering one of his prayers for the, for the body. And he says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. From whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. And to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul is talking about the Holy Spirit's power here in the inner man. He's saying this is going to happen in the inner man. This this strength that the Spirit can, can produce and, and, and grow within us as we work with him to understand the love of Christ, to understand the love of God, and to ultimately be filled up to the fullness of what he wants us to be filled up to, to be a mature person. And Paul ends that that prayer, well, it begins in that prayer there in verse 19 with the words, so that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. He's saying in there, he bows his knees before God. And why? Why does he bow his knees before God? Because he wants Christ to dwell in your hearts. Why? So that you might be rooted and grounded in love. And why is that? So that you will know the love of Christ, right? And why is that? So that ultimately you are a mature person filled to the fullness of Christ. All of these things. If you notice in that passage, Paul is dealing with the inner man. He's not dealing with the outer man. He's not dealing with all the externals or the, the things that... that Oh, you talked about just a, a few minutes ago. Those, those are kind of external things. I feel like he doesn't love me. I haven't done anything to deserve love. There, there's a lot of external things there that Paul is saying, no, none of that has to do with the internal thing here that's happening with the Holy Spirit and you. All of this is, is internal rather than external. It reminds me of, of when I'm sick. How many of you out there like NyQuil when you're sick? No? I, I, yeah, knocks me out. Little cup, take that. It, even though it's gross, you, you knocks you out, and you can sleep through the night, right? But does that take care of the problem? No, it just it just kind of masks the symptoms so that you can sleep, and hopefully the problems go away, or you maybe start eating better, or you go to the doctor ultimately and get something that might help you really. But Nyquil is is that that kind of little shot of wonder, right? That horrible tasting shot of wonder that helps you go to sleep. And that, that's kind of what the first five things that I talked about are. All, all these little things that I want to mask somehow with, with a shot of NyQuil. 
but it's not really dealing with the deeper heart issue of understanding the love of God and knowing who loves me, how he loves me, and how he wants to work in me. And that's why Paul says, I'm praying for your inner man, That verse 16 there, that you be strengthened with power through the inner man. Not the external things, but through the inner man here. And I think Paul's praying that because he knows he can't do anything about the external man. He's saying, I can't, I personally cannot change you myself. I can stand up here and I can, I can tell you all the good things that I can say. But ultimately, it comes down to you and your inner man and the spirit working in you. It's not me. It's not Paul. He's not going to be able to change your mind. He's not going to ultimately be able to change your heart. If this is a heart issue, then, it, then it's with me, right? It's with you. It's, it's you deciding you want to change. It's you deciding you want to understand the inner workings here. I think it's almost even similar for Jesus. When Jesus was walking... <clears throat> man, excuse me. I need some NyQuil. <clears throat> <clears throat> when Jesus was walking... And talking with his disciples, no matter how many miracles he did, some people never believed. I can show you all the things that you want to see. I can can show these signs, but ultimately it comes down to your heart. Are you going to believe? It comes down to you being willing and open to being changed and worked on by the Holy Spirit here. And Paul says, I can't do anything about you externally. I can't stand up here and give you all the right words. Because sometimes I think I'm going to change things with one sermon, right? This is the sermon that will do everything. And then it just, it doesn't do anything. Why? Because it's, I'm not, my words this morning, me talking to you this morning is not going to change you unless you want to change you. Unless it hits your heart and you decide, okay, I'm going to let that work in my heart. I'm, I can, I can tell you anything. I can, I can stand up here and quote scripture for you. I can dazzle you with my memory. If I had a good memory. <laughs> it's too much NyQuil is the problem. But anyway, if, if I don't, if I, I could do all that, but it ultimately comes down to what you're going to allow Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit to do in your heart. Is, are you going to let him work? And that's where Paul says in there, that he would grant you. That he would, in verse 16, he's praying that, he, that God would grant you to be strengthened. And all of these things. And, and that word grant there is, is important because it indicates where this is coming from. It's coming from God himself. It's not coming from Paul. It's coming from God. Paul is simply saying, I'm praying that God grants you the heart to do this, to be willing to to be open to the Spirit working in you. God has the power to do that by the Holy Spirit. I can't make you fall in love with Jesus, Paul says. I can't make you do that. That's going to have to happen in your own heart. I can't make you fall in love with Jesus. I can't even make myself fall in love with Jesus with, with just words. I have to actually open up my heart and let Jesus work on my heart. I have to let God work in my heart. And to that end, let me ask you a question this morning that I've been struggling with lately. And this is just a question between you and God. Don't answer it out loud. Are you 100% sure 
Not that He just loves the world, but that He loves you. Are you? Because I struggle with that. And maybe one of the things we talked about earlier gets in the way. And I don't know what it is for you. I don't know what gets in your way. But I struggle with that sometimes. I know he loves the world, but does he love me? He does. But I've got to remember that. Last scripture I want you to look at with me is John chapter 15. 15 verse 9. Jesus again gives us a clue about love and about him and the Father. And it's again a, a difficult passage in, in, in when you're answering the question, does God really love me? Does Jesus really love me? Verse 9 says, Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in me. I've looked at just as statements before in the Bible, like Ephesians 4.32, forgive others just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. And just as, those are, those are big words there. Just as, I'm called to forgive just like God forgives me. And he, Jesus says, just as the Father's loved me, I've loved you. Put your name at the end of that. Just as the Father's loved me, I've also loved you. I love you. I know God loves me. But there's times when I'm not very secure in that knowledge. And maybe you're the same way. And I also realize that when I look at Ephesians 3, so many times I have prayed for the Spirit and, and Jesus and God to work on me and to, to grant me the right words to say at this Bible study or that Bible study or this sermon or that. Right? Yeah. And that's a good prayer. But at the same time, maybe I should be praying a prayer more like this. That I understand His love for me more that I understand how He's working in me. How He wants His Spirit to, to mature me, to fill me up to the fullness of God. And if I can be filled up to the fullness of God, then the other things are going to fall into place. Those words that I need at the Bible study or the sermons, I think they'll be there. When I begin to understand the love that God has for me, the love that Jesus has for me, Love of God is something I want to be secure in, and I'm not always secure in that. And I want you to be secure in it too. Even if right now my, my tendency is probably to fix things with, with a sermon or with, with the right scriptures, and here, go read this, or go talk to somebody who's really, really seasoned in the faith and say, I'm struggling here. Maybe I need to pause and just say, maybe I just need to understand your love for me better. And, and pray this prayer for me. The prayer that Paul prayed for the saints here. The prayer that we can pray for ourselves now. The prayer that we can pray for each other now. That we would understand what it means to be loved by God. Understand what it means to have His Spirit working in us. Maturing us. 
together as a body. Understand what it means to be filled up to the fullness of God so that we are giving our faith and our trust and don't, don't doubt that He loves us. This person, this, this God, this Jesus, who is able to do everything beyond all that we ask or think. Maybe we need to pray that prayer a little bit more. There's a power in that prayer. There's a power in in this prayer here. There's a power in praying that for ourselves. There's a power in trusting God that he loves us. There's a power in trusting Jesus that he loves us. There's a power in trusting the Holy Spirit is working in us and on our hearts and with us and maturing us. There's a power in all of that. There's a power in the prayer. There's a power in studying. There's a power in, in living this faith as hard as it is sometimes to live it out. There's a power in all of that. And when I understand God's love for me, that's going to begin to change me. That inner man is going to be massaged and, 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 and changed as a person. And when I understand His love and I, I'm being filled to the fullness here, which is, i got to believe is a constant thing for a believer. We are constantly going to be being filled to the fullness of God because until we die... There's always room to be filled. There's always more to understand and, and, a, and a better relationship to have with Christ Jesus. So as we're being filled into the fullness of God, we're being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ himself. We've got to let that love transform us. As hard as it is to let that love transform us. As big of a struggle as it is to believe that God loves me. Even though I don't deserve to be loved. As big a struggle as it is to, to say, I, I bring in all of this, this, this nasty stuff to the table and I don't know what to do with it and I think it's too big for you. And God says, no, it's not too big for me. I love you. Let the love of Jesus transform you. Let him work in you. This week I want you to, to just pray this prayer. 14 through 21 of Ephesians. Bow your knees before the Father. Pray it for yourself. Pray it for others here. That together we are allowing Him to work in us, to understand His love for us, to understand that Jesus didn't just come for the whole world. He came for you. He came for me. To transform me. To change me. Open your hearts this week to this prayer. Open your hearts to being worked on by the Holy Spirit, to being matured. And to experience that filling up to the fullness that could possibly be in Christ Jesus. Do that this week. And share it with somebody else as you do it this week. As we stand and as we sing.